guys, welcome to Discount Ticket to a World Unknown. I am Michaela. I'm Catherine. And we are here to talk about chapters four and five of Harry Potter in the Chamber of Secrets. Yes, we are going to go ahead and jump right into it and start talking about chapter four. At Flourish and Blotts. The famous bookstore that I would love to visit if it was a real thing. <laughs> right. Like I would probably be hiding in a corner somewhere behind books like stacked <laughs> absolutely <laughs> that would be me <laughs> harry doesn't stay long with the weasleys he Not in, the, in movie, the movie no in the movie he doesn't stay long but in the books it's like isn't it a couple of weeks i'm pretty sure i yeah i think ultimately he's with the weasleys for an entire month yeah, so because I think his birthday's in July and they come a couple days after his birthday, so I think that he's there with them for a majority of uh, he's there with them all of August and a majority of July. Yeah, so there's a lot that goes on in that month, um, just like the broomstick scene. So, the broomstick scene, um, that was never brought up in the movies. Um, Mm-mm. Harry was basically locked away, couldn't use any magic around the muggles. He couldn't really practice riding his broomstick. And Mm -hmm. so that scene, I feel, is very important because he goes from muggle life living to with the Weasleys riding the broomstick. And they all take turns riding his Nimbus 2000. Mm -hmm. So that was a very good bonding moment between the twins and Ron and Harry. Um, The twins don't really bond with Harry in the movies, but it seems that in the books, they really get down with it, which makes one of them dying so much like it's sadder or more sad or yes, it's just- let me just let me just tell you right now that the one that dies is the one that you will fall in love with through all of these book series. Of course, which but just makes it even worse. <laughs> J.K. Rowling because had to do I, that. Like I said last time, we talked about the twins dying. I never really had an emotional connection to them, so when one died, it was kind of like, well, that's super sad for the Weasleys, but, like, I'm not emotionally invested in the fact that he died. Let me tell you, when I read the books and I actually fell in love with that character, I was like, why did we have to kill him? And I already loved the twins so much. Why couldn't so we kill the other so one off? You're telling me that he become one of the twins really becomes a loved character in the book series? And going into this, I already love the twins. Well, so, let me just tell you, you're going to love them a whole lot more. <laughs> I'm going to get so attached knowing that one of them is going to die. You're going to be on the seventh book and you're going to be like, I don't want to read the next chapter because that's when he dies. <laughs> really be like, oh my gosh. Yeah. You're going to see me. Just to warn you guys, we are going to be talking about that book when he dies and I'm going to be sitting here trying not to cry on the podcast (laughs) you probably will be (laughs) I'm going to be talking about it and I'm going to hold in the tears I'm going to be oh no Mm -hmm. I just Mm -hmm. oh but yeah anyways so the broom scene I'm pretty sure they play like some form of quidditch while they're out there with all the brooms because they like throw apples or something around for them to catch and stuff like that which I think is very interesting because you would think for a sports game that you would yeah. try and make it so that people could play it at home. <laughs> yes. Um, but that's not possible with Quidditch. So, just so they one go an entire problem. unless they have money like the Malfoys, I'm sure, where they can gain access to stuff like that. 
I feel like they go the summer without practicing and then they have to jump yeah. right back into it as if it were second nature. Well, the other problem is the reason like they can't use the Quidditch balls is because they like fly away and they and then muggles can see it. Like Very the true. snitch just disappears for hours on end and then finally comes back to you and you're like, there it is. Like how it's many magic. other how many it muggles has... would see it? Like half the world probably at that point because it probably traveled around the world before it came back to you exactly because it's magic it has a mind of its own it's an entity of itself exactly so like they can't play any they can't play quidditch at home with any of the real balls because the real balls just like the bludgers are attacking people and and they don't specifically just attack the people in the game like i'm sure outside of an actual like quidditch game they would probably attack you regardless of if you're playing or not so like they like this game is not a game that you can play when you live near muggles or like outside of like a big huge field like they will just disappear so yes like just another issue with quidditch if you can't play it at home how are you supposed to know that you're any good (laughs) (laughs) until you actually play it I don't know. Exactly. Just more issues. <laughs> so we kind of go, we kind of get to know Arthur a little bit too in this chapter yes, we as well. Yes, we He's do. asking questions about everything mm-hmm. and asking Harry. And then Ginny, poor Ginny, comes in there. So she's Harry, a clumsy mess in this she, entire A first clumsy mess around Harry. She's like dropping shit all the time when Harry shows up. And he, and he acts like he doesn't notice to save her embarrassment, that, which is, which is so, so sweet. sweet. Yes. So sweet. It's so it just, cute. It just makes the fact that you know that they get together later just even better. Absolutely. Because it's like he was already sticking up for her when he could have just been a royal dick and been like, ah, Jenny, you had dropped something. Like he was just like, no, nope, I didn't notice anything. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we get to know Arthur. Arthur really, you know, he loves the muggle world. He loves the things in the muggle world. He's so fascinated by it. So he's very interested in Harry's world or the world that he is used to. Mm-hmm. So we're sitting at the table, right? And then they get letters. They get a letter from Hermione, who's finally replying to Ron about them leaving, right? And then they plan to go to Diagon Alley to get everything they need for school. And oh, in my opinion, If it were me, if I were Harry watching his friends or his friend's family struggle with money for school, like it's very obvious it's out there. Um, I mean, he watches them talk about it. It's, it's there that he knows about it and they know that he knows about it. So I'm sure they're embarrassed. Sure. But whenever they just, they go to the bank and everything, in my opinion, I would slide Ron some money for here or there to buy whatever he needs. That's me as a friend, because if I had the money to do it, not that I'm going to spend money that I have just because I have it, I'm doing it for a good cause. I want, I would want my friend to feel comfortable in his own skin at Hogwarts. Yeah, well, I think the a lot of the reason why Harry doesn't necessarily do that is because he knows that Ron won't accept it. Which because is, he does that just... later in the movies or later in 
I think it is in the books too, but I think it's, um, it's book four actually when they're looking, when they're watching the world Quidditch cup or whatever it is. Um, Harry buys something for Ron and Ron pays him back in that fool's gold or whatever that shows up with the leprechauns or something like that. Yeah. And like Ron would not have let it go unless he repaid Harry. And so I think it's just that like kind of mindset, like money doesn't come free and he's not going to take charity kind of thing. But it, it just makes things a bit uneven because Ron has no problem accepting Harry paying for food. Even in this chapter, he pays for them a cone because the money's burning a hole in his pocket is what he Mm -hmm. says. And he buys all of them, Hermione, him, and Ron a cone. And if you really notice, every single time food is involved, Ron has no problem with it. But whenever it comes to Harry trying to- He doesn't have as much of a problem with it, I would say. He's not as against it, I would say. Yeah. Because, like, the first movie, or the first book, he trades his sad, like, egg salad sandwich or whatever it was for um, candy. But Harry didn't but even he, eat it, so it no. didn't make anything even, but Ron accepted it. But it, it it did in his mind because he at least gave Harry something, regardless yeah. of if Harry actually did it. And and in this section with the ice cream, like, he, I don't think he really gives anything to Harry to, like, combat it, but he's not as upset about it because it's food. Yeah. Like, he's not as against taking the money for food yeah but uh, honestly and if I were in Harry's position as well you know right around Christmas time or holidays I would go crazy for Ron those are gifts he doesn't have to repay anything yeah so technically for Christmas I would be like okay Ron here is everything you need do not feel embarrassed to be at the school because you know your family can't technically afford it because of all of your siblings but yeah and whenever ron breaks his wand the first thing i would do for christmas is get ron a new wand oh my gosh yeah i would have especially after like seeing the shit that happens with ron's wand because it's broken i've been like dude we're taking like we're taking something we're getting the fuck out of this place. We're gonna go get you a damn one because I can't. I can't handle you eating slugs for the next five years. Like exactly, and we'll get like more into that. We'll, yeah. we'll comment about that more later. So yes, um, Arthur and all of them they get ready and they go. They go to Diagon Alley, or yes. they do the the flu. They talk about flu powder. Flu powder. powder yes. 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 So Harry. And the Weasleys are all getting ready to go to Diagon Alley. And they um, tell Harry that he's going to go first because guests, guests go first. And Harry grabs this pot and he's like, what the hell am I supposed to do with this? What, what is this? <laughs> Ron's like, oh yeah, you don't know how to use flu powder. Guys, he doesn't know how to use flu powder. <laughs> I'm like, okay, and hold on. Everybody's first like, never, off, you've never used flu powder? Well, exactly. Like- <laughs> understood i was like okay hold on like you know harry potter comes from a muggle family you know that you just picked him up in a flying car and you know that he has like he's never seen a lot of the shit that you have at your house and you wouldn't think that he didn't understand what flu powder was like that wasn't the first thing that comes across your mind even if i was someone who like this was a constant thing that we did we we constantly traveled by flu powder i still would have been like harry do you know what flu powder is no okay let me explain it to you like, even if it's, like, a regular wizarding family, I'd be like, have you used flu powder? No? Okay, let's talk about it. Like, I just, like, that whole scene just flabbergasted me because I was like, of yes, course Harry doesn't know what flu powder is. <laughs> exactly. And so let's talk about 
this explaining the way that they explain it in the book they do one great job of explaining how flu powder works in the movie not so much and I hate that they didn't really explain oh Harry was choking on the smoke Mm-hmm. It was they do that, hot they ash. Do that whole scene differently. Yeah, so, that's why he said the words wrong. Yeah. And in the movie, he just said said them really fast, and they made absolutely no. That's he not, says diagonally, basically diagonally or something. He no, he literally says di- diagonally, but in an English accent. That's so weird. Diagonally, but I it's feel like, like it's like diagonally or something like that. Is what he says. Yes, because Molly, in the book, Molly does explain it straight up. She's yeah. like, Harry, You honey, have to say it right or you're going to end up in the wrong very place. very clearly, Diagon Alley. Yes. And he said a word that didn't make any sense. And this, no. not in exactly. In the movie, it doesn't really, it doesn't really make sense. Because no. it's not like he didn't know how to say Diagon Alley. And it's not like he didn't understand where he was supposed to go. In the book, it makes sense because he chokes on the ash. In the movie, it doesn't make sense because he knows what he should be saying and there's nothing holding him back from being able to say that word. Exactly. But before we move on, because I have a note that I forgot to say. So when they're talking about Harry Potter never using flu powder, um, Arthur Weasley is asking him how the hell he got to nine and three quarters yes uh, and and he's like how did you get there and harry's like the underground and he's like what and then he asks if they used escapators and i don't know if this is an english thing or if he just purposely said the like if like if she wrote it wrong like jk rowling wrote it purposely to make the word wrong i don't know but it's i think he meant escalators and regardless is fucking hilarious <laughs> he he i think he messes up english a lot when it comes to like muggle words so i think that she did it on purpose but at the same time like he calls it escapators and it's freaking hilarious yes (laughs) like did they have escapators um (laughs) i don't know what those are but they had escalators if that's what you're asking about wonderful wonderful (laughs) a nice good laugh Yes. yes, it is. <laughs> and I love Arthur's character. He and I'm probably going to get to know him a lot more in oh, the yeah. series. So, but I loved his character. He's very silly. He's very out there for a wizard. And he's very curious. Yes, and I'm very that's curious. A, it's a great character development. Yes. So yes, he Harry says Diagon Alley wrong, choking on the hot ash, and then mm-hmm. he is propelled into Morgan and Burks. Dun dun dun. <laughs> yes. And this happens in the movie. It does happen. He does, yes. I'm pretty sure he does break his glasses as well, right? Yes. He, that does happen again. Yes, it does. Yes. And but what they don't put in the movies is the mouth voice. Oh yeah. No. Well, no, they do sh- they show them walking by. I think they show them walking in, but I the, so the whole scene is not a part of the movie. The whole scene of him like talking about Harry Potter and them talking about his grades and like stuff like that. They don't talk about that in the movie, but I want to say that the Malfoys walk into Morgan and Burks when he's in there. So like he gets suspicious of it and because that is the main part too because later on Harry runs to Arthur and he's like, I saw the Malfoys and Morgan and Burks. Like, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, but that whole scene with the Malfoys, it is so detailed 
because Arthur's job is confiscating magical mm-hmm. muggle items. Mm-hmm. And then the Malfoys are trying to sell whatever they have in a hurried manner mm-hmm. because they have something that could get them into trouble or make the ministry not respect them as much. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that, and I feel like that is a very important part behind the scenes for Malfoy's and and Arthur and everything. Well, it also just shows how jealous Malfoy is of Harry. Yeah. Because, because he's not even around Harry. He's not even around like Hogwarts students, nothing. He's complaining about Harry to his dad. Yes. And his dad's just like, I've, I know I've heard you say that before Malfoy or Mm -hmm. Draco, you know, and it does explain just how jealous he is of Harry. Yeah. And then I also was very curious because whenever the Malfoys walked in to the shop, Harry climbed into a cabinet. They called it a cabinet. And I just need to know, is that cabinet have anything to do with later in the series, the cabinet or the wardrobe that Draco uses several times bringing the Death Eaters into Hogwarts? Maybe. Because that... <laughs> I heard, like, when I first read that the first time around, I was like, hmm, they've got something there. And I could see where that wardrobe scene or cabinet scene came from it later in the movies. Um, just, they didn't really put that in there in the movies, but it explains a lot mm-hmm. in the book. So I tell a lot of people when they're, like, hesitant to read the Harry Potter series, I tell them, you know, you really don't need to read the first book. So if you've read the first book and you can't get into it, like skip the first book. Yeah. Because if you've seen the movies, you know who the characters are. The only surprise is going to be some of the ghosts and some of the smaller characters that you don't really meet in the movie. And Neville. But you've got the, yeah, and, and the character development of Neville. But you've got enough, the background story and the plot story to know what you're walking into in the second book. Yes. And I tell people this all the time. I'm like, the second book is when you really need to start paying attention because she refers to the second book a lot in the seventh book. Like there are hints to the second book like all over the place in her last book. So <laughs> I so so yes, yes, the cabinet is important in this book <laughs> because it does come up later and you are on the right track. Yeah. Yes, I, I had to put that out there because... I was reading it and Mm -hmm. the second time around I was like there's something to that I know there is I'm gonna put that in my notes yeah and it makes me wonder if she actually like really planned on that cabinet being an important role or if she just remembered or like she went and looked back and saw Harry getting into the cabinet and was like oh easter egg let's use it I have no idea but regardless like it's brilliant writing anyways because she ties back to book number two yes which isn't usually how book series that have mysteries in it here and there kind of work. Like they don't (laughs) always have the early callbacks. Usually it's like the third or fourth book is when the callbacks start happening. And the first two books are basically throwaway to get you into the series. Yeah. And that's very true because whenever you write such a long series, you kind of just move forward. You charge forward. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't have the energy to really go back and read their originals from where it started because it 
it's like a TV show. You watch a TV show from the very beginning and then it progresses so much and changes and evolves so much later in the series that when you go back to watch the first episode again, you're like, wow, things have really changed. Yeah. And, you know, for as an author, you know, it, it does, you put your mind in like a setting later in that series. It, it's evolved. You have evolved. Yeah. in that series yeah so if you go back and you read unless you know all of these little easter eggs you know they're there unless mm-hmm. you plan for them going back to reread your series would be a little off-putting so I, I understand a little bit but she did so well I feel like that yes. if that wasn't planned then she I don't know but that maybe that she's just came got together. she's got great thinking on your feet type of writing because <laughs> absolutely because damn <laughs> yes so yeah so that cabinet scene and then we observe um lucius he is trying to sell his items mm-hmm. and then draco's talking about harry they yep. leave the shop and harry follows soon after and runs into hagrid yes and then they they finally meet up at the shop that they are or no they meet up in front of the bank right or near the bank Hagrid takes him back to Diagon Alley and I think that he runs into Hermione not too long after that yeah and then they all come together yeah and then they all go to the bank first before they do anything else I do want to I do want to mention this before we get further because I just thought of it um do you believe Hagrid's excuse for why he was in the sketchy area Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Absolutely I don't not. either. I don't either. I was reading that and I was like, mm-hmm, sure, Hagrid. That's exactly Hagrid has <laughs> a standing reputation for doing things that he's not supposed to do. Uh-huh. But they're not like they're not over the top against the laws. They're well, just like, kind they're of out of his one foot in, either. one foot out. I apologize for my baby in the background trying to open up the door. <laughs> and your dog. <laughs> And my dog. Honestly, I'm surprised my animals are behaving so well because I figured at some point they would start barking. They're doing really well. So apparently it's all you today. Normally it's like half and half. My dogs act up and then your baby is crying. And then today it's all your side. The life of a mother. It happens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So yes, um, they meet up and then they split up and they, you know, get their own things and do their own thing. Uh, they get the ice cream cone and then they go to the shop that they're supposed to be at. And they are all meant to meet up at Flourish and Blots. And it's crowded. It is so crowded because of Gildry Lockhart and all of the, the middle-aged women are flocking to see him. And I uh-huh. love that. I love that. They don't really show, they show that it's crowded, but they don't really show middle-aged women everywhere. They show women, but they don't show like, the middle-aged women yeah. in the movies and yeah, they really true. bring that like detail out in the book is the fact that <laughs> middle-aged women the age around molly and mm-hmm. all of them are there crowded trying to get their books signed by lockhart yes <laughs> So we go in there and we meet up with everybody. The scene is exactly almost the same as in at first. At first, it is very similar to the movie. Someone spots Harry. They're like, Harry Potter. Then Lockhart's like, oh, let's get a picture or 
whatever. And then he hands him his entire series, all signed, all free of charge. And then the only thing is, I'm pretty sure Harry hands his copies to Ginny. But in the movie, Molly takes them. She says, I'll take those. And then she goes to get them signed. But I'm pretty sure in the book, it says that they were already signed, right? I think so. I think you're right. I I do remember him at least giving it to one of the Weasleys because I remember him being like, I can pay for my own. I don't need free books. And yeah, I'm it was either Ron or Ginny. He was he like handed them off. Yes. And I, I guarantee it was Ginny because if Harry handed them over to Ron, Ron would be like, No, they're yours. You know, we can do we can pay for I think them. he did give them to Ginny. I think you are right. Yes. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, he, he puts them in Ginny's cauldron, I'm pretty sure. It is on yep, page. He does 61. give it to Ginny. Yeah, he's like, you have these, Harry mumbled to her, tipping the books into her cauldron all by my own. Yes. So yeah, he does. Yes. So yes, so he... Which is very sweet. Very sweet. He's like, I don't need free things. I've got money. Here, you have these. You need free things. You don't have money. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not, it's not anything rude or whatever. He's just like, here, Jenny, this is your first year. You know, your mother shouldn't have to buy you these books. I can get my own here. Yeah. And it's very sweet. And then right after he, Jenny is still right beside Harry and then Draco comes along. So I did have a comment in here real quick. Yes. Because we all know already if you're reading or if you're listening to this podcast, you've either read the books or you've watched the movies. Or you're reading with us. (laughs) Yes. So you know that Lockhart is a dud. (laughs) Yeah. I just need to know, Dumbledore comes across as the person who kind of already knows everything. He's like 10, 15 steps ahead of everybody. Yeah, he's kind of all-knowing. How did he have it in him to hire Lockhart and not know he was a fraud? Um, So I want to say that he did know he was a fraud and that um, he didn't have much of a choice. Shouldn't he have the best interest of the students learning at heart? Like, he he should... Yes. So here's the thing. So I don't think that Dumbledore really had the choice on who he could pick to be the um, defense against the dark arts. Because if you kind of remember from the first book, Harry Potter talks to the Weasleys about um, defense against the dark arts and how they it kind of has a curse on it because they can't keep the same teacher to teach the class every year and so I think that Harry is or Dumbledore is running out of people to put in the position and he's he's just taking whoever he can get at that point and hoping that they can learn anything that they can from the idiot that he hires well if that were the case there is Snape who is dying to be chosen as defense against the dark arts teacher professor he he it goes into detail that that's what he wants to do he's wanted to do that yeah. And he, he has the ability to teach these children what they need to know. And they, I'm sure if there was a, a curse or whatever on that position, then they could easily find another potions master, which they later do do. They do do that. Yes. But you do. would figure, they do do that. <laughs> but you would figure that that would have come up earlier. Um, so I think that, again, this is just me assuming I have no idea, but I think that the reason that Dumbledore does not let Snape be defense against the dark arts before then is because of how much he romanticizes the dark arts. So I think that 
Dumbledore kind of avoided putting him in there just because he didn't want people to think that the dark arts was something to be worth entering into instead of defending against. You know what? You're right. I I can see that. Uh, It's just... I feel like the students know how badly Snape wants to go into being the defense against the dark arts professor anyway. Mm -hmm. So they know that he wants, he aspires to do that for himself. So it's already out there in the open. So why not take the best interest, interest of your students and teach them what they need to learn in case of emergencies in that way. Teach them what they need to know in case anything happens to defend themselves. Meanwhile, Lockhart is such a fraud and he teaches them nothing. I'm pretty sure he teaches them nothing the entire year. The students um, teach themselves. Yeah, well, yes. So that's the that's one thing. So Lockhart doesn't technically teach the kids anything. He teaches he, he teaches the kids what not to do. <laughs> um very very true very true (laughs) but he also because he's so arrogant and wants to be this all-knowing person that knows how to take care of everything and is one-upping everyone that he kind of throws the kids into scenarios that they probably never would have been thrown into without him being so arrogant and I think that that also is probably a good thing because it teaches kids like Hermione and Harry and other muggle-borns how to think on their feet with their magic instead of being book smart or thinking the muggle way like that kind of thing I think that it it really helps to bring that out of them I don't think that it necessarily was the greatest way to teach them that and obviously Lockhart doesn't really teach them in general but what he does does increase their knowledge and does help them learn what they need to know and in turn, it also helps them learn how to recognize liars and people that like to boast about things that they actually cannot control. Yes. So, and a lot of people who use dark arts tend to exaggerate things and use their words against others and kind of manipulate on top of the dark arts that they use. So, yes. So before we propel ourselves back into this scene, <laughs> Uh, I just want to make a comment about how conceited Lockhart is to have all of the books by him Mm -hmm. as the reading material for school Mm -hmm. that year. Mm -hmm. Ridiculous. It's Uh, it's worse than ridiculous. It's unreasonable. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, all right, let's go back to the scene. So (laughs) Harry, Harry hands over the books to her, uh, to Jenny Jenny. and Jenny's standing beside him. And then Draco comes into the scene. Done, done, done. (laughs) Yes. And then the cutest little part. She's such a clum. She's so clumsy around Harry. She's so bashful. And then Draco comes in and makes a comment about Harry and then she's like, leave him alone, leave him alone, Malfoy. And it's I so cute that she it. comes to his defense. Yeah. It's so adorable. So that is the first true glimpse of who Ginny is. Yes. Because that Ginny that you see in that part is the Ginny that you will continue to see for the rest of the books. And unfortunately, wait. that is not the Ginny that you see in the rest of the movies. She's but- kind of not a character at all in the movies until yeah. their relationship begins you know yep yep and then it makes no sense (laughs) yes they make it out like in that one movie 
he Harry finally wakes up and he looks at Ginny and he's like you're gorgeous I like you you know and I that's probably not how it is in the books and I can't wait to dive deep into that all right so yes and then Draco and Harry and Ginny are all having that scene play out and then Lucius comes in makes a comment picks up what um picks up Jenny's cauldron and the or picks up the books in it or whatever and makes a comment about that 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 scene is similar to the mm-hmm. movie yes it is and then we have Arthur come in and stop whatever's going on and Steps let me in. just say <laughs> that scene in the book was magnificent okay I love oh, yeah. that Arthur lost his cool yeah. and said let me give it to you Lucius and they get into a fight. Oh, yeah. And for the people that are listening right now to the podcast, <laughs> and you have not read the books, there you, you go. To. You need to. <laughs> yeah. Because Arthur, Ron's dad, gets into a fight with Draco's dad. And it's amazing. And Hagrid has to break them up. Yes. Well, and that's the other thing. So you've got, like, the classes that normal society has, like low class, middle class, high class. The Weasleys are in low class. Yes. And the Malfoys are in high class. And you have a low class citizen yelling at a high class citizen who has blood rights and all this kind of stuff. And is just like, don't give a shit. I don't like you. Here's everything. And just like exploding on him. And I think it's it's amazing. Great. It's amazing. And, you know, in today's society, if that were to happen, then obviously the cops would have been called. It would have been broken up and illegal action would have been taken. Oh, yeah. But in the the magic world, there's none of that. Who cares? So it was just so Well, technically there is something kind of like that because he could get in trouble at the ministry, but that's not really expressed until later. Yeah. So you just get to enjoy the fight. (laughs) Yes. So, all right. And then the fight's broken up. Malfoy's like, I've had it. Fine. Whatever. Have your cauldron back. Have your secondhand books back talking to Ginny. Mm -hmm. And then obviously they make it very obvious that... That scene is whenever Lucius passes the Tom, the diary of Tom Riddle yep. to Ginny. Yep. And I want to make this comment. If the diary mm-hmm. of Tom Riddle mm-hmm. is part of Voldemort, like explained later in the series, mm-hmm. why was it okay for Lucius to, just to freely give a part of Voldemort's being to someone without knowing if it would have been destroyed or not? Um. So I don't think that Lucius truly understood what he was giving Ginny. I don't think that he knew. I don't think anyone really knew that um, Voldemort had horcruxes. Mm. And so I don't think that he understood that that's what that diary was. He just knew that it was very important to Voldemort and that he was in charge of keeping it safe. And he knew that it had the secrets to the Chamber of Secrets. I don't think that he necessarily knew that that's what would happen and that it was a part of Voldemort. I don't, I don't want to give him that much credit. And I also don't want to give Voldemort that much faith in Malfoy either because he punishes Lucius Malfoy very deeply for the fact that he did this and I don't think that Lucius would have done it if he would have known what the diary was yes because Draco becomes a death eater because of Lucius's faults in this book you are revealing stuff to me young lady no that's in the movie 
Hey! Uh, I didn't remember that. Okay, well, sorry for <laughs> spoiling, but I'm pretty sure it's in the movie. Anyways, Lucius, uh, Voldemort punishes Lucius for the stupid shit that he does in this book. And so uh, that's why it really, like, confirms for me. I don't necessarily if it's, know if it's true, but it confirms for me that Lucius was not aware that this was a horcrux. Because okay. I don't think that Lucius would have done it if he would have known. Yeah. Well, and then also to bring up before we move on to the next chapter, this was obviously planned. This was thought out in Lu- mm-hmm. on Lucius's part. Mm-hmm. And Dobby overheard, and that's mm-hmm. why he did what he did, right? Yes. But Dobby wasn't entirely aware of what Lucius was planning, right? All he knew was that Harry's life was in danger. Dobby was somehow morally loyal to Harry and he felt the need to protect him. But we don't exactly know what Lucius planned. Because if he did not know the significance of Tom Riddle's diary, then obviously he 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 wasn't even aware himself about what was going on. No, I don't would happen. I don't think that he necessarily understood that the diary would go to the extent that it does in the movie in the book in the plot. I think that he knew that it held the secrets of the Chamber of Secrets and I think that he knew that it would it would get into the hands that it would need to get into to be able to open the Chamber of Secrets. Very I true. don't I don't think that he knew beyond that what would happen. He just knew that it would get them into the Chamber of Secrets and it would open that door and the snake would come out and kill people. And that's yes. all he cared about. And I do want to I do want to say that Dobby knew all of that. He just wouldn't reveal it because he was bound to his his family. But that yet again brings up how does that put Harry in specific harm's way? Um, I think that they were hoping that Harry would actually, no, I don't think that they were hoping. I think that they knew that once, um, it started going wrong and people started dying or, you know, things started happening that Harry would probably get involved and, and do what Harry does at the end of this movie yes, or book. Yes. Very true. And I just had to make that comment because it's very clear that the snake did the basculus does not go after people who aren't mudblood. So, and it would just make it hard for Harry to be put in harm's way on purpose. So Dobby coming in and being like, oh, you are in danger. Like intended harm is coming your way. Well, technically Harry's half blood. Uh, technical. Because his mom is muggle born. And even though she has pow- like wizarding powers, she's a witch, she again it's technically muggle born so technically he's half blood so so confusing yes (laughs) because like some people and i and i it's never completely explained like his bloodline is never like confirmed or anything like that so they never call him like a full-blooded wizard or a mudblood or anything like that they but i would consider him a half-blood because his mom was muggle born yeah and so his mom would be mudblood and then his dad is full blood so I would consider him half blood. So I think that anything other than full blood could be attacked by that snake. All right. So <laughs> on to the next chapter. <laughs> definitely off subject, but here yes. we go. So the <laughs> a next little chapter. further than we need to be. <laughs> Absolutely. But it wouldn't be fun otherwise. Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> so next chapter, The Whomping Willow, chapter five. Mm-hmm. Yes. The last chapter, chapter we're going to talk about today. Yes. All right. 
So my first comment. In what world would it ever be okay to fly a car alone? In Ron's eyes, he influences Harry to agree that it's okay. We can totally take the car. Mom and dad can, uh, what is it called? Um, they can um, materialize or yes. travel through Oh, crap. Magic. What is, what's it called? Um, I don't remember now. I know what you're talking about, though, and it, now it's going to bother me. Yes, it's going to bother me, too. I'm looking. <laughs> apparate. Apparate. Yes, I knew it was, like, fabric rhyme. Something <laughs> they like can that. apparate. Anyway. <laughs> but anyway, yes, so Ron makes it okay. He tries to get Harry to understand that it's okay. But in what world is it reasonably okay to steal your parents' flying car in front of a bunch of muggles and fly it in order to get to Hogwarts. Okay. Just hypothetical here. Mm -hmm. Say that (laughs) after they got locked out of the platform, Uh they go back to the car and they sit in the car like they're supposed to, like good little boys. Mm -hmm. The parents come back confused because oh, the platform, something happened. Couldn't Mm -hmm. the parents find a way to send them to Hogwarts eventually? Yes. So the reason that they get in so much trouble later in this chapter is because McGonagall basically rips them a new one and is like, okay, you've got a fucking owl. You've got two wizarding parents. You've got the Ministry of Magic that would have figured out. And then we've got fucking Dumbledore here. So like, why? someone would have came and got you when we realized you weren't on the train. But- you also have to like think, um, who is Ron's brothers? Who's who's, who's Ron's course. brothers? Of course. So so who is he influenced by from from the closest age range? Not the best influence. You so you can't tell me that if if the twins were out there with Harry and they were also stuck outside of the portal, that they wouldn't have thought of the same thing. Because I guarantee thing. they would have. They were like, again, we've got the flying car, let's go. <laughs> that does there is something that supports that opinion of yours because (laughs) they are flying in the car and they have the fantasy of landing the car in front of Fred and George and Fred and George being so jealous. Mm -hmm. And they know at no point in that entire fantasy did they sit down and think, Oh shit, we're going to get in trouble. Oh my God. Flying a magic car. Right yep. on to the grounds of Hogwarts. Yep. We're not going to get in trouble? No, nope, not at all. No muggles are going to see us. We've got the invisibility button. We'll be fine. But then no it, worries. Then it falters. It is yep. faulty. It does yes. not work. And they well, are seen by a select few of muggles. Yeah, they are. <laughs> which does get them into trouble. Yes, it does. Yes. So Ron justifies it by freaking out about the fact that well if they can't get into nine and three quarters can his parents even get out which then puts the concern of well if they can't get out to help us get to hogwarts how the hell are we supposed to get to hogwarts like what's going to happen to us um and so that fear is in their heads then you've got the twin brothers that are influencing ron with bad ideas and (laughs) and then you've got the um fear of not getting to Hogwarts because they don't know what's going to happen like they don't know what they can do to help because all they know is the only way to Hogwarts is that train yes so you've got like three major fears going on that are going to cloud your your main like thought process (laughs) and um I'm sure that 
they also justified the fact that they could fly the car out of there because it technically had an invisibility button, even though it didn't, it, it faltered and it stopped working at very early in the whole part of the flying. But yes. that's kind of where their brain went. And uh, you've also got to think they're 12 years old. So like maturity wise, not there. <laughs> like, like you've got, you have to remember they are 12. <laughs> Yes. So, like, they're thinking end of the world kind of thinking right it's now. the end of the world if we don't make it onto the train. Exactly. And get to Hogwarts on time, which yeah. I could see what Ron could have been thinking about. He could have been thinking, oh, well, we've missed the train. If we don't make it there on time, I'm not going to see my sister get sorted. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be a part of the very beginning but she of doesn't see Hogwarts her get sorted experience. Anyways experience yes so all right so that happened they fly the car mm-hmm. it's a faulty invisibility muggle see them mm-hmm. okay so they follow also the train. that yeah the whole like train scene with the car flying and everything and them getting in front of the train not in the book not yeah. in the book at all yeah not a thing nope which I think they partly did because they wanted to like make it exciting in the movie but like you've got a flying car so like how much more excitement do we really need with this well if you realize in this chapter most of the chapter is them flying and talking about flying and their fantasies and what they talk about and eating and then being super thirsty mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, sweating in their seats and mm-hmm. getting exhausting. And it's such a long scene that I could see why they swooped the car in front of the train and made that, you okay. know, very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Because then right after they have trouble getting, don't they have trouble getting into the barrier of Hogwarts? Isn't that what happened? Because I'm pretty sure Ron mentioned something like that. Like, why couldn't we get in is what he said. Maybe. Let me look. Because I don't remember that, but you could be right. It's Because I think that's why the car stopped working. I can see that. Yes, it could have been exhausted as well, like Ron suggested. But I feel like it it would have been something deeper because he, I'm pretty sure he does mention whenever they just got ripped a new one by McGonagall and they're eating and everything. He says, I wonder why it couldn't get through the barrier or something. So the car begins to shudder and lose speed before when they see the Hogwarts castle, but I don't think they're past the barrier at that point. Okay. But it could be, um, that could also be it too. Let me see if I can. Oh, he does ask. Yes, he said he, he swallowed and took another huge bite. Why couldn't we get through the barrier? So yeah, you might be right. They might have not. They might not have been able to get through the barrier because I think they explain the barrier later on and say that it prevents you from getting into Hogwarts without a pass, which explains why they crashed into the Whomping Willow. And there, for like as well as me and you both learning this for the first time, for the people out there, there you go. There's some interesting little information for you that. Mm-hmm. The reason why the car stopped working most likely was the barrier around Hogwarts. And then they crashed into the Whomping Willow outside of the grounds of Hogwarts. And we all know that scene. It is very, it is a very dramatic scene. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yes. And Ron ends up breaking his wand at that moment. He's Mm -hmm. banging it against the steering wheel and it breaks, trying to use magic. He breaks it right before they hit the Whomping Willow. Yes, very true. And then they, they don't know what the Whomping Willow is. Even Ron doesn't know what the Whomping Willow is. Yeah, because a lot of, because they keep them away from the Whomping Willow. Yes, 
and well it's outside of the grounds as well which it does come in later the whomping willow does come in later mm-hmm. in the series i do know that <laughs> so yes and i love that scene it's stuck in my mind like even the movie scene because the car tosses their luggage out tosses the bird out uh-huh. and drives away all by itself and that is how I remember this scene so much is because the car is just like fuck you boys I'm gone and then just drives away and I yeah. love that yes yeah I I thought that that was hilarious in the movie I also enjoyed the scene in the book so yes. poor Hed- Hedwig it's just like getting thrown out of the she's ca- like fuck this cage give me the fuck out of get here out of here i've been in this cage like enough. i will fly please let me fly next to this car like never let me never put me in this damn cage yes. again <laughs> i mean if, if i were harry i would owl. keep her out of that cage as much as possible <laughs> yeah because well, by the time he goes back to the dursleys that poor bird is going to be locked up again so yeah. i would never lock her up i would just let her roam free and do whatever she wants i'm trying to think of this as a spoiler alert i mean i technically know because it's in the movies in the fourth movie anyways i'm just gonna spoil it if you don't already know uh harry doesn't keep her in the cage when he's at hogwarts oh yeah they have a because they have owl. the owlry. yes yeah they, i'm pretty sure that's mentioned in the first book it might have been or it might be mentioned in this one i don't remember it's mentioned in one of the books, and I know for sure it's mentioned in the fourth because it becomes a big thing in the fourth book. Yeah. Um, but yes, so she is only in the cage for like a couple months out of the year, and then she's back to roaming, yep. doing her own thing, and hunting, yes. taking letters, all the fun things. <laughs> yes. So these boys are thrown out of this car. The car drives away, mm-hmm. and they make their way to Hogwarts Castle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're looking in to the sorting hat ceremony. And what such luck that it happens to be Snape outside of Hogwarts uh-huh. looking for them. And of course, they're insulting him too. Yes, right whenever they are insulting Snape, talking about the dark, art, dark arts position. <laughs> And everything. And then Snape just comes up and he's like, hello, boys. <laughs> he's like, they're like, like, or he could be sacked. Or he could be sad that he doesn't have the defense against the dark arts. Or blah, blah, blah. Or blah, blah, blah. And then he's like, or I could be looking for two little boys who weren't on the train. And you're like, fuck. <laughs> it's like, how embarrassed would you be if you were in that position talking about somebody? And then they come up and they're like, yeah. Well, well, well. Yeah. <laughs> I think I probably would have just been like, okay, well, I'm like, just I didn't mean it. Forever, I swear. Forever bury myself in a deep hole. Like, <laughs> but the the situation, I mean, I would be terrified that that person would hate me forever even more. But in their case, Snape just already always, hates them so yes. much. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. I wouldn't like be how very worse could it get? <laughs> Yes, yes. So Snape tapes, takes them back to his his office, yes. And he starts ripping them a new one. And he's saying, oh, if you were in my um, sorting class. You were or in my house. <laughs> yes, if you were in my house. You would be expelled. You would be expelled. <laughs> and he's just you going on You would no longer go to Hogwarts. <laughs> yes, and he's talking about getting McGonagall and everything. And I just, okay. 
Snape is not a conniving, smiley person in the movies. He's just kind of, hello. He's very, like, dead-faced, monotone-type yes. person. Even in the, movies, yeah. in, in the books, he gets genuine gratification by getting these boys in trouble. And mm-hmm. any the idea, even the simple idea of them getting expelled, he's like, he, 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 he. Mm-hmm. you know? And But in the movies, it's so different his character is so different yeah that's why i have a big issue with the people that love snape in the end because there's so much that snape does that makes it so hard for me to like him yes so he does have technically he does have a redemption arc like he does in the movies however it's not as powerful in the books because of the amount of shit that he does throughout the books it's more of a Okay, I understand why he did some of it, but the rest of it I don't understand. Yeah. Like, I understand that he was there to help protect Harry, but at the same time, like, did he really protect Harry? Like, because <laughs> I'm going to go with no. <laughs> like, yes. Like, uh, you're confusing me. So it also makes you wonder if she had actually planned on Snape being this type of person, or if she had planned on Snape ending up being like a double agent against Dumbledore and then got to that point where she was about to write everything and make sense of everything. And she was like, you know what? I should make Snape someone else and like change his whole entire arc. And then she was like, maybe this will redeem some of the shit that he does. And and like, regardless of whether or not she had planned this in the beginning or not, none of the shit that is supposed to be in his redemption arc fixes any of the shit that he does in all these books. Well, I had a thought. How about we put ourselves in the shoes of a professor? I We've established that Professor McGonagall is a badass, okay? Oh, yeah. She's amazing. Oh, She's, her personality is radiant. She's my favorite. Yes. I love her. <laughs> but how about we put ourselves in the shoes of the professors here? You are watching over children, Harry and Ron who are always getting into trouble or doing something they aren't supposed to, or even thinking about something they're not supposed to, thinking about doing something, anything. And you're that professor that is in charge of keeping them alive, keeping them safe. There's a world of magic out there. They could be getting themselves in harm's way, doing things they're not supposed to. There's a reason why there's rules in life, mm-hmm. especially for children. It's because mm-hmm. it keeps them safe. So if Snape had this, you know, double agent thing going on honestly if I were in Snape's position I would still find pleasure in getting children in trouble for doing bad things they're not supposed to because it's so aggravating keeping children that many children in line and so many years of doing it you just you'd have to find pleasure in it just a little bit you know there's obviously something deeper for Harry's sake and everything between Harry and Snape but it does explain it does explain a little bit yeah well, I won't say too much more because you would have to read it before you'll understand where I'm coming from. Yes, well, we, and I'm not going to spoil it for you. Plenty of material. Um, Snape, in in your defense, yes, that could work for Snape, except for the fact that there's other shit that he does Uh-oh. that really has no uh, justification. Well, I mean, in the beginning, so, there there could have been a developed hatred between the two of them for a reason yeah so for him to be like extremely like focused on harry and wanting to get harry in trouble and not liking harry like that's fine 
I can understand that because he's not a fan of Harry's dad and he kind of looks like Harry's dad, except for the eyes that are lilies and blah, blah, blah. And he acts like Harry's dad. Like that part I understand, but there are things that Snape does that's not towards Harry that I like, there's no redemption for that. Gotcha. Gotcha. I could, there's just no, no redemption for it. We'll have so. plenty of, to talk about. about yes, we will. Snape and everything. <laughs> But anyways, speaking of McGonagall being a badass, <laughs> her lines in this chapter are like fucking great. I just love that she was like, you have an owl, right? And Harry's like, oh, yes, fuck, I do have an owl. And she's like, you couldn't have thought to write us a letter like you dumb fuck. <laughs> I just love her. She's like, I don't understand where your mind was, but like there were so many other things you could have done. <laughs> and again, like you said, they are children. Yes, they, they're 12. They don't really know any better. They're in this world of magic. There's so many opportunities for them to get into trouble, to do things that they're not supposed to. Obviously, children are going to do the opposite of what they're supposed to do. That's just mm-hmm. a part of childhood. I mean, we've all been there. So they... They just didn't have the mindset to really process what they could have done differently. And that's something that you have to learn. So I understand why McGonagall go is a little easy on them for what they did, because she does connect the fact that they are children. Yeah. Well, and then of course, my favorite part is she's like, why didn't you send us a letter by owl? I believe you have an owl. And she's like looking straight at Harry and Harry is like, fuck. Uh And he's like, I, I didn't think. And she goes, well, that's obvious. (laughs) She's I, she says that said Professor McGonagall is obvious. <laughs> like, like I just just that sass like that and, and that that is just the beginning. That is just the beginning. Like and her- she doesn't really have that fiery <laughs> attitude in the movies. She does and doesn't. She has it in some sections, but she doesn't. She's more of a kinder professor in the movies than I would say that she necessarily comes off as in the books yes like she has a very big heart for the students and she is very caring and she is very kind but she also is a very strict professor and a very um she can be very mean and and she can and she's a badass so (laughs) yes I just can't wait until you read all of those because it's just going to be great. (laughs) Yeah. And I love her part where she brings up and for Gryffindor and they're like, well, technically professor, when we stole the flying car and drove it over a handful of wasn't in session. Yes. And then (laughs) she, and then she makes that little grin. She's just like, "Mm, not taking points away from Gryffindor then because she's like oh you found a loophole you smart like you're you're right yes however you're getting detention (laughs) yes yes like I won't take points from Gryffindor but but you two will have detention (laughs) yes I love I loved that part because she's a great character and I like her better in the books, honestly. Oh, honey, just wait. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. Just wait. Just wait. I've I've said that a lot, but I'm promising you right now, like just the characters in general, all of them, including the three main characters that you see in the movies the most, still have so much character to them in the books that they don't have in the in the movies so so all right well McGonagall does her little magic and makes them a plate of food because Mm -hmm. they can't attend the feast because obviously the root 
that school, anything they're not supposed to know about, they know they about. Know We've about. established yeah. this by the first book. <laughs> yes. So obviously they're going to know uh-huh. by now that they uh-huh. flew a car yep. into the into school. Whomping willow. <laughs> yes. So obviously McGonagall's like, they're already talking about it. I guarantee it. Peeves is probably all over that. Oh yeah. So you know, you're going to stay in here. So you can't relish in the glory of riding in here on a Mm -hmm. flying car. Yeah. You don't, you don't get to relish in the glory in the dining hall. When you go to your um, common room, they're going to be waiting for you anyways. So. And they are, they're (laughs) all waiting. Yes. And they're like cheering. They're like, that was amazing. Like that was so cool. I wish I would have done. Like they're all. And meanwhile, and meanwhile, Hermione's standing off to the side, like, "I can't believe you actually did that." Yes, her snooty little self, and yes. you gotta love Hermione. Oh, I love her. She, she gets she gets more into later in the series, even in the movies. She digs her feet into Ron and Harry's mischievousness. I mean, obviously the twins are very mischievous, but the group, the friend group does get into things that they're not supposed to. They get used to doing things they're not supposed to. And Hermione actually ends up loving it. Well, and Hermione, for Hermione in general, if you're going to break rules, she has to justify it. And so later in the books and in the movies, for them to break the rules, she's actually doing something to like help someone or find something out to help Harry or fighting against Voldemort. Like she's doing things that have a reason for it that make it justified that she's breaking rules. In the first and second book, she's kind of hesitant because there's not as much, there's not as much reason for breaking the rules. Yeah. So she figures that out later on. (laughs) And she's like, okay, I will let you break the rules if we can figure out a good reason why. (laughs) She's like, oh, we're going to save the world from Voldemort? Okay, good enough. Let's go. (laughs) Yes. So, and, oh, God, I love that scene. And then, obviously, Fred and George, they had that fantasy. And then Fred and George are off to the side, like, way to go, Ron, way to go. Like, (laughs) cheering them on. What an influence. Mm -hmm. What an influence. Mm -hmm. You'll wonder where you got it from. There you go. Right And then they... They separate because obviously they were chastised and everything. They realized mm-hmm. they did something wrong. They weren't supposed to. Mm-hmm. And they, they enjoy the praise. They enjoy yes. it. They admit that they enjoy it. Yes. But they go off to their room because they kind of just like want to, you know, separate themselves from the yeah. glory a little bit. They're like, and then okay, that is where, <laughs> yes. And then that is where this chapter ends. Yep. And that's where we are going to end. Yes. Yes. And we are just starting the second book and we have got great material for you guys for this first five chapters and it's only going to get better. So please stay tuned for our next episode of chapters six through 10. It's going to be amazing. You should definitely chime in and listen to us talk about it. But if you would like to comment and let us know what you think of these five chapters, what your ideas on some of the theories that we talked about might be, or just in general, if you want to talk to us about the book, we would love for you to email us at discount ticket number two 
worldunknown at protonmail.com. We would love any comments, any emails, even you saying that you loved our podcast. You can't wait for more. We just want any type of information from you. Any we would love that. Yes. We would love to hear from you because we want to hear from our listeners and we know you're out there. <laughs> Absolutely. And please so. visit our Instagram, you know, yes. stay tuned. We, we'll post crazy videos of oh, yeah. us in our zoom and everything. we've got plans. We've, We've got, got plans. plans. <laughs> and please, please go to our Patreon so that yes. you can see any behind the scenes moments that are hilarious. Come on, oh, yeah. guys. Oh, yeah. There, we talk so much outside of this that there's a lot that I delete. And if you want to ever hear what we talk about or see the stupid shit we do on Zoom, you should you should be a patron because you will get to see it and we will show you and we will we will even invite you to one of our zooms just so that you can be a part of the craziness that we are involved in when we do these so yes check out our patreon page and we would love any support that you give us yes thank you guys please tune in next week to hear us talk about chapter six through ten of harry potter and the chamber of secrets 